0: Welcome to the JP Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe, we're both back from trips, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: welcome. Welcome home.
0: We spent time in different places in the Midwest. Yeah. So um I let's talk, start talking about inflation. And let me frame it in the following way, which is that we've obviously had a pretty substantial drop-off in core inflation. Um U.S. and global um, as we move through the second half of last year. And we were fading it to some degree, partly because we saw the big drop off in core goods pricing as no longer having that same uh, power as we've been watching some of the indicators on um, uh, supply chain, some of the survey data uh, begin to affirm and also having some modest improvement in terms of what's going on in global industry. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more later. Um, and then the second point, which is probably the one I've been arguing, debating most with clients, is a, a belief that what we we will see on services is not going to be a follow through of that. And some of that is about the macro fundamentals of um, service sector not having the same supports for disinflation. But also some of it was a view that the weakness in service price inflation in both the euro area and in the U.S., and particularly in the U.S. core PCE that we saw in the latter part of last year was to some degree hard to make sense of from a fundamental point of view and therefore we probably should fade it. So we obviously had big January surprises to the upside. There's every reason not to get too um, tied to one month's number, but I do feel like in both of those spaces in terms of the idea that core, core goods are starting to stabilize, um, And we've lost the disinflationary impulse there, both U.S. and globally, uh, as well as seeing some of what felt unusual in terms of the weakness in core services um, in the PCE price series have started to unwound. And the question, I think, is how big a deal is that in terms of how we think about a whole set of issues around the inflation process, the Fed uh, markets and so on going forward. So let me kind of just leave that with you to kind of muse in whatever direction you want to
1: well i yeah I, I i think it's um view shifting dependent upon where your views were starting right so if you are someone who is getting very excited about the disinflation and starting to think that there was a um maybe more than a 50/50 chance of a of a soft landing here that you know fed was going to engineer um you know, the disinflation with continued resilient growth. um, And maybe even flirt with the idea that all of this could be telescoped and start in the, in the uh, first half of this year. Um, That, you know, increasingly over the past couple of weeks, and then this week certainly has been just completely blown away. I just want you to
0: know in my conversations with clients over the last two or three months, there are a lot of people who were there. Oh, I totally agree.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you go into the last two or three months, that's absolutely right. I think I mean, the thing that I, I always found puzzling was, you know, why aren't you listening? Not you. Why, why, whoever had that view, why wouldn't you be listening to the Fed on this who was, you know, very much pushing back in the same way that we were pushing back against this? And the only way I could square it is not that there was some... Going to be some reaction function you know shift on the fed you know they i thought they were very clear and strident about what their reaction functions were but it was more Look, uh, it was a bet on say, the data. it was a bet yeah, on the data
0: yeah and, i i think the fed wasn't pushing back as much as it was wanting to see more information to get confidence it wasn't like right. the fed, the fed well, has, a, mean, two so they're they're the fed has a two four forecast the fed has a two what
1: Pushing back against what? I would say, were they pushing back against they're going to cut in March? I felt like they were pushing back against No, that. no.
0: I'm just now talking about the inflation process. They, I think, were getting more confident in it. They were cautious and and certainly wanted to see more data. But I don't think they were saying, hey, watch out. We're right. going to have a stall, I, I think, which, has been, which has been our view, which is you're going to stall I around. Totally I totally
1: agree. I think there's been a confusion, which is the the seemingly kind of dovish shift of the fed was not really a dovish shift it was them recognizing where they were in the middle of last year where they did see far more progress on inflation than they had thought relative to the the kind of mid 23 sap uh, you know the world is a very different place But then what happened is i think markets and everyone ran away with that way too far and i felt like they were pushing back against that i mean powell was like pretty forcefully saying we do not believe how low inflation is right now and so
0: again i think i think there's two different things here and i i we could focus on how much the fed opened the door to march and then how much did the markets miss and the fed had to correct that i mean i'm i'm happy to say the fed never Committed to going March and the market went too far. But the Fed in its December SEP had core inflation getting to 2.4 this year, 2.2 next year, had 175 basis points of easing in its median dot. That's a lot of easing, not happening necessarily right away, but that's a lot of easing without a. What do you mean you're
1: starting at 550?
0: Well, that's a lot of easing. I think it's a lot of easing for an economy that's not Over, breaking over down. two
1: years, that that's a pretty slow path. Uh, I mean, I think I either you have a recession, in which case they're gonna they're gonna way blow away your expectations then.
0: Or Joe, we're not talking about landed. the recession scenario. That's not what they're forecasting. They're not that's a median forecast in a world in right, which no, the they think the economy is gonna grow close to trend. Yeah. And it's a few that they think inflation is gonna get back pretty much to target over the next year, year and a half. Yeah. And that's what I think. was fueling markets more than anything. It was the cumulative amount that they thought the Fed could do. And that's, I think, what's being challenged here right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was the other theme that I was kind of, uh, you know, I guess discussing with you earlier this week, which was it, it feels like it's here we go again. It's just this observational equivalence. I mean, you know, I, I, it seems like inflation got, you know, a bit lower than what our view of the world was we faded it. We were, uh, you know, by definition on our heels there, but we faded it. Now it looks like we were right to fade it. And now it's even overshooting a little bit. But, you know, as you said up front, it's, it's one month of data. Could we be here, uh, you know, by the middle of the year and be on that path to two, four? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and that's a reasonable modal view to
0: have. It's not my modal view.
1: Well, I I don't know, Bruce. I mean, you've got 50-50 between boil the frog and soft landing. So talking about
0: my modal view for core PC this year. I'm not talking about the broader nature of the cycle.
1: Well, okay. I mean, you put a 50% chance on a soft landing. Yeah. That's pretty high. I know, but it's not
0: a specific inflation forecast. Have we changed
1: the probabilities of that view based on the news this week? Excuse me? If we changed the probabilities of these various scenarios we've been laying out based on the news this week. I would have felt like the 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 risks around those probabilities were shifting towards maybe soft landing as possible, right? The, so there's maybe a chance here, right? Uh, but we didn't push on it, but it seemed like that. This week makes me think, oh no, I, I think the 50-50 probably feels about right. And uh, the inflation may not be tracking as as wonderful as the, the, the kind of Goldilocks scenario. I,
0: I think if we were on track to get um, inflation down and get 175, 200 basis points of Fed easing over the next 18, you know 24 months, uh, and, and the economy was doing reasonably well this year as, as you were going on that path, you weren't getting the drop in the Fed because the economy was was breaking, mm-hmm. I think that's the soft landing path. Yeah. The idea in my mind is that we're not going to get that, that we're not going to get 175, 200 basis points of Fed easing without a growth scare, that inflation is going to get stuck somewhere in between 25 and, and 3%. And then that raises a different set of, of issues. One is it's certainly reasonable, and it's one of the things we've been saying, that if the Fed gets stuck not doing that much easing and policy rates remain restrictive, That we begin to build the vulnerabilities that is underlying the boil the frog scenario. It's also possible, and I think as we kind of go through these scenarios, that the underlying health of the uh, private sector in terms of continuing balanced income growth, which has surprised us to the upside, that the uh, better supply side performance that we've seen um, that the easier than expected financial conditions could tell us that we end up in a soft landing scenario with higher interest rates. That's a possibility as well, that we might be in some sense underestimating where neutral is. And you could have a soft landing scenario with four and a half percent or so policy rates from the Fed. That's that's an, that's within the, the realm of possibility as well. And I think we want to be careful of not tying the entirety of soft landing versus boil the frog as to how much Fed Uh, easing we get over the next 18 or 20 months. It's a key variable. It's one of the more important ones, but it's not by any means the the whole story here. Um, Certainly, I think you're right. If we had been getting continued low inflation numbers alongside solid growth and the Fed was being able to ease a lot earlier and a lot faster, which was a risk as we were going through the end of last year, that would have definitely uh, given more weight to the soft landing scenario. We were worried about that and certainly... um, you know, we're thinking maybe if we came in in Jan, Feb, and the inflation news was good, we'd have to shift our probabilities. But now that doesn't look like the yeah. Uh, the I mean, case. This, is the, this started on like w-
1: how do I feel like my views are shifting on the news this week? And I and it it to me it felt like I was on my heels in terms of thinking about some of the risks in the various scenarios, all of which you just just laid out. Um, and the soft landing looked like it was maybe looked a little bit more more possible and I was open-minded to it. And this week makes me feel more comfortable with our views. So that's- that. That's but what our I
0: views think. are basically, we're still on the fence. I mean, that's the- Yeah,
1: view. exactly. And that's the other point that I was making is we're still kind of 50-50 here, which this is what I said. I was like, it's kind of funny. And we were discussing earlier in the week. It feels like yet again, for over, oh, a year or over a year, we've been saying, we're going to be in this observational equivalent period, right? It's It's going to be hard to, to distinguish which path we're on uh you know in a in in, in a definitive way and maybe yeah, that's so a- they
0: the the big picture call of whether we can sustain expansion that's it's going to take quite a while to 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 realize and we we are I'm comfortably sort of sitting on the fence there it's not the most comfortable mm-hmm. thing to not have a strong view but I think as one of the variables there I think one of the things that's interesting last week you know, the point I was trying to make is that small and correlated changes can have relatively significant implications for how you think about the path in policy. And in the last number of weeks, as we look at January data, we not only have had um, a um, you know surprise on the inflation front, um but we've also had um, very strong payroll growth coming into the new year. And there's a risk that you can have. A correlated shift as we move towards the March FOMC meeting in terms of both the Fed's thinking about growth, labor market tightness, uh, and inflation. And one of the questions is how significant a change might that give us to the Fed guidance. I mean, one of the questions I've been asked right now is why do they ease it all in June if that's uh, you know the path? If we don't, if we have inflation running closer to three on core,
1: they won't. They absolutely won't. And and we've been saying that. I've been saying that. Right, like. 3% is just too high. They won't do it. If
0: it's going closer
1: to two five, then that's kind of getting them on the right path. If it's three, they won't do it. If it's above three, they're hiking.
0: Yeah, I think it's more than it's it, it's about how they look at the growth and inflation data together yeah. as to where the inflation's going. So if the run rate is still close to three, but they feel like they've been getting softness and growth that labor markets are easing. Uh, it'll both reinforce their sense that inflation can move down and it, may, it will reinforce their sense that policy is restrictive and that could open the door. But if they're thinking it's three and going to stay there, they won't ease. I agree with you there. Yeah. So uh, this is, be- I mean, this becomes an thing- interesting interesting question of how much does the, the news start to shift because it's again, not just the inflation news, but if, Hey, what if they're feeling payrolls are going to be 200,000 plus, uh, and this is one reason why the February data becomes so interesting here as to what degree does it does it push us back or or validate what we got in the January news. And we will have another right. payroll number and another CPI number before right, that. If,
1: if we're right, I think that the noise in the January data kind of comes back to, there's some mean reversion, both on the inflation side, um, uh, but not as far Be careful as, what you by mean by mean reversion. I know, exactly. So I was just going to say, not as much as, maybe what it's not going to go back to where we were because we felt like the downside was a was a uh ab, aberration right and so we're now we're offsetting that and what we're setting is around three percent which is still too hot uh um,
0: you know the, for what it's rate. worth i mean just to make sure we understand what we mean we've now moved our forecast for first quarter core cpi to close to four and mm-hmm. that means we get back we get back to numbers in the point mid point twos for the next couple of months which is which is a reversion to the to the trend, but it's not taking out the upside surprise in terms of the the pace of inflation for right. the start of the year. So, but
1: then uh, if you and, and and I think in some sense Powell and and company have been a bit prescient on this, right? The same way we've it, faded it, they faded, and they went even further. Powell went further to say, "Hey, it's probably better to average. We don't tend to look at the over year ago's, but maybe you look at that, and we had a low period, and we're going to get a high period." If that over a year ago, it looks like it's settling in the kind of two, three, two, four kind of period, then I, I think they could make that argument. they on the well, right let me
0: ask you this question. Let's put a scenario out there. Let's say job growth in the next six months is 175. U rate is at 3.7 unchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a run rate of core PCE, which is roughly speaking, two and a half between now, between February and mid-year. The year ago on core inflation will be close to two and a half by mid-year. Mm-hmm. You think the Fed eases in that environment? I,
1: you, you, you've you given this scenario to me before offline. And, and and I always say you're you're an expert at putting it right on the bubble. Cause that, oh, I mean, I'm trying to get you to be challenged. I know, I, know. I, I mean, I think that's, I've always said kind of two five is like where I'm just like, huh, I don't know. like five is making me a little uncomfortable so i might say let's wait another another meeting here uh um, then
0: you get starting and to get into the election campaign that for the start yeah. of the easing it i think I mean, it if you're, does if have if some bearing
1: putting up one hundred seventy five thousand a month on payrolls i don't think you have to worry too much about it
0: yeah um, no it's uh no but i think you don't want to start the easing september you know just a month or two before the uh election so anyway, yeah. okay, so now let's, you know, we can keep going on on this stuff, but there is growth news this week. So we had a a week retail sales report, we had a week IP report for January in the US. The uh, the GDP reports for Q4 are a little backward looking, but they were pretty crappy for pretty much all the other dm countries i can't think of another really all the growth awesome. another dm country grow in the in the fourth quarter other than the u.s there probably is one. you two. know
1: i think euro area may have actually eked out a tenth or something right didn't it
0: yeah they did uh, they grew <laughs> I don't know. okay they grew <laughs> fair enough but that's
1: growth by european standards
0: but why don't we sort of swing there? Well, I mean, have-
1: I was going to bring it up at when we were going through all the scenarios, I was going to say the one scenario that we didn't really talk about is maybe things are just breaking down in the first half, right? That is a, one of the arms of our uh, of our boiling the frog. We don't put a high odds on it. But I, I mean, yeah, the consumer just, um, I know the US you can fade, right? Because you're going to say, well, it's after a super strong, uh period it was after super strong december and so january came in quite quite yeah
0: just to make sure get this because i was looking at the numbers this morning just to think about it we're not just talking about a super strong december the six months through um
1: yeah
0: uh december consumer spending was running like three seven in real terms
1: you're talking us
0: us and yeah yeah good good spending is running close to six so yeah
1: no no no, I mean, how could that not be possible when you grew five percent and then three and a half percent or whatever? I mean, of course, uh, the consumer is just gangbusters. The question is, is this the front edge of them finally taking a uh, taking a pause, hitting the pause button? I don't, I don't think so, but when I take the broader global picture, God, it was it was a really ugly December outside the US. And the January news we've had so far, which is the US number, you can fade it. But the other thing that you haven't mentioned yet is motor vehicle sales absolutely collapsed in January. And I, I'm not talking like a one-off country or a China country. It was pretty broad-based. Motor vehicles, I think, it was down seven percent on the month. Um, broad-based everywhere. Um, I, it's almost like all this data is looking pretty soft in January. Just there's the seasonal stuff, maybe that's going on. I I don't know. Um, the one thing that would give me a little, make me feel a little bit better is that the flash pmi's continue to be somewhat encouraging those were out this week for february um and
0: oh, they will be out, we'll be out next week
1: sorry, sorry i'm sorry yeah they will be out um and so you know those had moved up in um uh in jan uh, bounced back after a december disappointment but you know we'll look to the february numbers to see if uh, those are um you know continuing what we saw in january so that gives you maybe a little bit of hope uh, but
0: I guess just let me jump, jump in here and say I'm not worried about the U.S. consumer in any sense. And I think there oh, is right. there's lumpiness and spending patterns and maybe we're going to have a soft quarter here. But I don't think that's an issue. I do think the issue around the consumer outside the U.S. is important, especially if we do get a a, 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 a phase in which the U.S. consumer is not providing that same engine. And that does not only link into the just the gdp outlooks for those countries but it does link into our view are we going to get enough oomph to have a manufacturing recovery you know is the global, I, yeah,
1: manufacturing is like i think tracking closer to one percent in the first half now
0: Yeah, we um, we'll see but i mean i think we need to if, if we want to talk about even just continuing positive growth i think we need to have european consumers do better It'd be nice to yeah. have the japanese consumer do better and we're not getting that yet that's that i think is a legitimate um Concern. I think the confidence readings are a little stronger. Um, the income numbers in real terms, as we said, look better. Yeah, labor markets, the... by
1: the way. The the European labor market news this week was quite good. So it's kind of more of the yeah. same of a consumer that seems to have resources but just doesn't want to wake up.
0: Well, as a number of people have told me, just have to wait till May when Taylor Swift's European tour begins and we'll yeah. get, a big, get a big lift then. So maybe we just have to be patient here. Um So, beyond that, what else is there, if anything, that we want to kind of hit? Is China credit? um, Is the PMIs next week, as you noted? Uh, What else before we kind of close this down?
1: Well, just on the China credit, I believe there's been a little, I think, a bit of disconnect. I think the China team wants to put more of a positive spin on what they saw in the January numbers. I mean, I I always find it amazing how people get excited when you see super strong January credit numbers because every January is by far the strongest month of the year. So you really need to benchmark it to that. And it was a little bit stronger, but not much. And yeah, you saw the bank lending increased somewhat, but bank lending increased a lot last year too. And you had this disappointment in the second half of last year. So um, it still seems to be heavily uh, government driven um, and the same as Europe, right? The consumer has been a wall, and uh, until they wake up, I, I'm gonna not really feel too too excited about the Chinese economy. So that that worried the the credit numbers. I, I faded. I didn't get much out of those.
0: I think one of the interesting wrinkles in the U.S. data this week is we saw a pretty big pop up in U.S. consumer goods import prices, but. It- The China numbers are are still deflationary in terms of U.S. import prices from China. So it's kind of interesting that we're starting to see that pressure come even in the face of a continued deflationary impulse. Um, We'll see how that plays out going going forward. Uh, It's a couple of months now. I mean, this month was a big move. It It was a couple of months of positive on consumer uh, import prices. Uh, But the the January number was much bigger than anything we've seen in, in recent memory. So um, I guess we'll, we'll end it there and uh, hope that we have uh, uh, a lot. We will have a lot to talk about next week. So I hope we can continue the conversation next week on the weekend, take care, everybody.